0: All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of the show and on the show with me today I got to sit down and chat with my cousin Sam and Sam and I have been hunting together far longer than either of us have legally been able to hunt but we would sit on a stump with either his dad or my dad or we'd be the guinea pigs where we just kind of walk through the woods and try and bump deer to either one of our parents because we were young and full of energy and just wanted to be part of it in any way that we could but today's episode, we chat a lot about waterfowl hunting, and we could have talked for another five hours just about this. There were other topics we wanted to hit, but time just didn't allow for it, so we'll have to have him back on the show again in the future. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you're listening to it the day that it came out, there's a good chance I'm sitting in the dove field right now with a handful of buddies, hopefully like a couple birds shy of our limit, and... uh only like, I don't know, 15 to 20 shells shot. But in all reality, I've probably got three birds down and I've already been through a case of a hundred shells, just knowing my history and how excited I get during dove season. That's probably what's going on. But I think if I'm accurate, everybody in the country is only a few weeks away from whitetail opener, if it hasn't already started in your state. And so I hope your fall is kicking off the right way. I hope you're trying to figure out exactly how you're going to go after that target buck, or maybe you're like me, sitting out in the dove field, or gearing up for early goose or teal season. Either way, fall is here, guys. It's official, it's happening, and I can't wait. Let's jump right into this episode. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. was really scared but knowing that Dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay all right guys welcome to today's show and on the show with me today i've got my cousin long time hunting buddy someone who i had to teach how to call ducks and geese um (laughs) just kidding Uh, but my cousin sam Medgee is on with me right now and this has been a long time coming man like we uh I can't believe it. I've got more hunting history with you than probably anybody other than my dad that's been on the show. Yeah. But uh, we're like, yeah, it's been a long time. Almost 40 episodes in and we're finally making it happen.
1: Yeah. Well, when you got two guys with super busy schedules, it is (laughs) hard to meet at the same time. Oh,
0: absolutely. Um, Why don't you you start off by telling people a little bit about yourself? I know I mentioned in the intro that you're a multi-time state champion duck and goose caller. Um, So maybe hit a little bit about that and then your hunting history, kind of how you got into the outdoors.
1: Sure. Um, So, yeah, I ended up, I mean, throughout my younger years, I've always been super interested on duck and goose calling. And, you know, as a kid being able to, I think my dad started taking me out and he'd throw me in a backpack and take me out into the marsh. And it was like, there was something about that 4.30 a.m. Lone hen, you know, cadence call where you can't see anything, but you can hear her like, you know, 50, 60 yards down. And it was like, man, that touched my soul. Yeah, And it was like, I don't even think we killed a duck yet. And I knew I was hooked for life. Um, And so, yeah, that started it off. It was like, I remember as a kid, just being heartbroken when I woke up and found out that my dad went duck hunting and he never woke me up. And so, yeah, I just started kind of taking it. I mean, as a, as a younger kid too, um, I just wanted to take it into um, pretty much like a new, uh, like a new, a bigger, more mature path with, um, you know, that type of um, sport. And so I started going, I would bike down to our local McDonald's. That's, that right off of a river um, that you know butts up and connects to the lake michigan and i'd sit there as soon as the sun came up i'd sit there and i would listen to ducks i'd go and get breakfast at mcdonald's and i'd sit by the river numerous times a week and just listen to the ducks i'd listen to how the ducks would call when there was birds in the sky i would listen to how they would call you know when all the birds were on the ground and i would just mimic them every time i heard them make any type of noise i would i'd grab my call and i'd mimic them and so that kind of started taking off. Once I start once my dad started finding other friends that, uh, that did the, you know, waterfall hunting thing too, he, uh, he started taking me along and all of a sudden his friends are sitting there and they're like, this guy's like seven years old, man. And he's by far better caller than I've ever been. So it got to the point where my dad was like, all right, listen, guys. I'm not gonna keep hunting with you because you guys don't even want to hunt with me. Every time I, you guys get a hold of me, you're like, "Hey, you want to go hunting?" Sure. Well, can your son come? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so my That's dad's awesome. like, "You don't even want me to go. You just want me so you can help my son." <laughs> so yeah, we uh a good friend of ours, a local officer here, uh, where I live, was like, "Man, you have a gift. Um, at that age, you have an absolute gift. You need to start going into calling competitions." Never even knew that existed. Yeah. So, yeah, my first year I did a calling competition and placed first for Goose, second for Duck. And it just took off from there. I just kept going back every year, you know. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and didn't at one point, weren't you at like a, a DU or like an outdoor show or something like that with all the tents and booths and stuff, and you just went up to a table and started calling? And then there was someone right down the line from you that heard you and called you over.
1: Um, So we were, we were actually at, I think I know what you're talking about. If, if, if it's the same story, but there, there was one at, at Ducks Unlimited um, at their fest here in Wisconsin, where Barney Califf heard me right down, right down, you know, a few tents down. Yeah. And so he, he called my dad over and he was like, I want him to try one of these calls. And so he ended up giving me a duck call. And I don't think it sounded all that great just because it wasn't my type of call. It was just too raspy for me. Okay. And uh, yeah, I like a little bit of a lighter lighter tone call. I like to put the rasp in it myself. But I think, I think what you're talking about is when I was at Cabela's for our state duck and goose calling competition. And this was when Bandit first came out. And was really starting to get big. And uh, then they had a they had a booth. I had duck call. I, I grabbed that thing, man. And to this day, that is my most favorite call. That's um, awesome. I started squealing that thing. And that, uh, I mean, I watched 20. 20- Around me. I mean, their eyes got in this call. I hear my name get called or my number get called for uh, the competition that it was my turn to be up on stage. So here I am. The guy just looked at me. I didn't even buy the thing. He goes, take it and go. <laughs> and so I turned around, sprinted through the store, went out there. And uh, one of the field staffs who banded ran, was right behind me. He went out there and he videotaped it. And I ended up taking first place with that call that I, I mean, I I walked up on stage and literally took it out of the box in the bag and started, you know, screaming on it. And, uh, yeah, I ended up getting a pro, st- pro staff off of that one. They had, they were in contact with me in like less than 24 hours. That's so that awesome. was, that was pretty sweet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really sweet. Um, I remember like when I first started trying to duck and goose call, I was terrible. Your dad's like, Oh man, here, just practice, just practice. And then my younger cousins just whooping the crap out of me on a call. <laughs> and uh, there were multiple times where you and I would be out hunting and you'd be like, hey dude, hey, just like cluck. Just do it. Just do a cluck. And then you'd Clucking be like moan. screaming on it. And uh, one one specific time, we were at the pond um, at my old place and you were like, man, there's this landing sequence that I've really enjoyed doing. And it just mimics like a group of geese landing on the pond or landing in a field or wherever and you're like just watch this man I'm gonna hit this and I remember we were looking around there wasn't a bird in the sky like we didn't see anything and you're like just watch this and you you hit it and within 60 seconds we had geese locked up (laughs) right over the pond and I was like there's no way like how is that possible even even the fact that there were geese close enough to hear that you just like did this weird landing sequence and all of a sudden these birds were cupped in our face and i think someone called the shot a little bit too quick and we only dropped one of them out of like 18 or something like that and everyone's Probably like dude that. what are you doing like they were way uh-huh. too high still but it might have um, been my
1: dad my dad jumping the gun
0: well i don't i don't <laughs> think he was out there because this was here in missouri that that uh oh, that pond oh, i used okay. to live on But whoever it was, somebody called it too early, and we ended up barely shooting anything out of it. But it was still a ton of fun. Oh,
1: you know what? I remember that. Yeah. I remember that.
0: Yeah. Because they were like locked up and dropping quick, and they were still like above the trees when someone called it and everyone started shooting. And I'm like, no, no,
1: no. Yeah. I mean, they were like,
0: they were dropping 30 feet every couple seconds. I
1: mean, we would give them 10 seconds. They would have been the decoys in the water. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah that, and it's funny too because that sequence um I came across that sequence by accident. I would just I was out in the field one day with my dad and a, you know a few other buddies and we were goose hunting and I I don't know if I was just trying to go too crazy on the call or or what and I ended up almost like rolling a clock into like another clock. You know, and it was like whoa what did I do and I was like, okay, at that time, I had no idea what a double cluck was, and so uh but to to take those to like roll them together and then dropping them from high to low, it just sounds like two birds talking back and forth talking back and forth, you know just a lot of excitement as they're coming in for feeding or resting or whatever and um as soon as I did that, I was like, that actually sounded kind of good. I'm gonna yeah. try it next time I see birds and see what happens and it I still use it to this day. I've kind of upgraded it a little bit, but uh yeah, I still use that to this day. I mean that's, that's awesome. almost like my comeback call
0: i I have like two calls in my whole arsenal i'm not I am not great at calling at all i can I can call coyotes like you wouldn't believe, but mm-hmm. waterfowl man I mean, I'm still probably up there as far as my friend group goes, but that's not saying a whole lot
1: you know i can tell you right now the fancy stuff is cool okay but if you get five guys six guys four guys whatever and they all learn how to cluck honk and moan you'll you'll land birds i mean you don't need you know you don't need the double I, well, talk, the triple every fuck, but, every
0: group every group just needs one sam and then you don't even have to bring
1: calls you know, I, that's, that's kind of what I tell the group, uh, <laughs> the, the new outdoor boys. I'm just like, you know what, man? Like, you know, cause they're all like, man, you gotta teach me how to call. You gotta teach me how to call. I was like, you learn how to cluck, you learn how to moan and you learn how to honk. And that's all I need. Yeah. You guys do that. And I'll fill in that little bit of space, you know, and it, it takes so much air. air, you know, so much weight off my shoulders. Yeah, I can worry about very little compared to I, all I have to do is sound like 3 geese yeah. because they're the group is sounding like 10 themselves. Yep. You know, versus me trying to sound like 10 myself. So,
0: now as far as goose hunting goes, like what's your strategy for calling birds? Is it a lot of noise or because I know you guys are way up there on the northern part of the country and so mm-hmm. a lot of the birds that you're hitting are some birds that may not have been hit by anybody else in the U S at that point in the year, you know?
1: Sure. So Um, what does
0: that look like for
1: both geese and for ducks? You know, it, it's a little easier, um, but it's a little easier just because we're so far North. Um, in a lot of these birds that are coming from Canada, they're, especially in the early season, they're young and they're dumb. You know, they, they, except for the older birds i mean these birds really haven't seen too many spreads um and a lot of the times like there are some very good callers out there there are so many good callers out there with names that we have never even heard of but it's the amount of good callers there are compared to the amount of hunters there are it's not even a comparison so i mean to really get and find somebody that knows what they're doing um on a call and knows how to you know, make the pitch and the tone sound right. Those geese are all sudden. They're like, "Oh, wait a minute!" And it, it, that, that's why. That's why you use different sounds too. Um, that landing call is one of my favorite ones. Nobody really uses that. Everybody's too worried on the on the comeback call, or you know, uh, people. Some people growl too much. Um, you know, and so it's just you want to be unique. You want to be different from the next guy's spread. Yeah. Um, early season. Early season's a little different birds are very unpredictable. Um they're very young. They kind of just you can have birds in a field same field for 3 weeks and they could be in a field for 4 hours and be 5 miles down the road the next day. It's it's so hard to pinpoint them. Um late season, migrator season, it's a little different. You know, you it's a little little easier to be able to follow them. 9 times out of 10 they're going to be in a field for a little bit longer. Um They kind of have that same, same little path that they use. They go to the roost and they have a certain area that they're going to feed in, you know, and uh, once a new field is cut, that's, you know, nearby, especially if you can catch a a brand new cut cornfield or something in between their roost and their landing or uh, their feed field, man, it is like you hunt that field, even if the birds aren't in it, hunt that field because it's a brand new field. You put out a spread, and as soon as they fly over, they're gonna be like, oh, oh man, we're we're moving. You know, we're not supposed to be going to that field anymore. We're supposed to be going to this one. And I would say we probably kill more birds on traffic hunts than we do on X's.
0: That's cool. I know, I know just about every time that you and I talk throughout the week, you're like out scouting. If you're not mm-hmm. on a break from work, you know, like when I yep. talk to you, you're out scouting birds and you're like, dude, I just found a field with you know, 500 birds in it, or I I just glassed up three different bands on this one field or whatever. And I noticed as the years went, the more you scouted, the more birds you guys were taking every year. And I've like, I don't talk to anybody who scouts as much as you do. It sounds like you're just out all the time. And obviously that directly correlates with your success.
1: Yep. Oh, absolutely. That is the start of everything yeah scouting scouting is scouting is probably just as if not more important than anything else you do i mean you can go anybody can go take decoys and set up in a field you know but to be able to figure out your main priority is to know where they're roosting where they're roosting you go and you sit sit you know somewhere close by to that roost early in the morning before they get up off of it and then you follow them follow them straight to the field they're going Bam. I mean, more than likely, you're going to find them in that same exact field, either that evening or that next morning. Well, you know, a lot of the times. Go ahead. You you
0: used to go to the X all the time. I remember you would tell me about that. You're like, listen, when you see birds, you have to drop a pin like right where they landed, because if you're 50 yards off, you know, you might not get into them. But now it sounds like you're having more more luck on the traffic fields
1: than yeah so time. when it comes to early season like this um birds tend to shy away from each other you know they're still in their family groups um they're still a little territorial over their over their goslings and so they're just kind of sticking to themselves they don't really want anything to do with too many other people um or geese i should say so yeah when it comes to early season we, we got it. I mean, we do the best we can to get on the X. If we can't get on the X, we're going to be right next to it as close as we can. Um, my greater season, that's when you can change their mind. You know, that's when they're more like more, more comfortable going and hanging out with a group of 500 birds versus early season. I mean, if you notice early season flocks are way smaller, um, If you see them in the fields, they're way more spread out, a lot more space in between each other. And you'll actually see them in their own pods. Um, You know, you'll have six over here and and then 10 over here. And they're just keeping that distance between each other. Uh, Where late season, it's just one big cluster. and so,
0: So translating that to strategy for your early season versus late season hunts, what is your decoy quantity and spread look like? Like as soon as early
1: goose comes in versus like, you know, January. Um, so early season, um, you don't need nearly as many decoys, not even close. I would say like a 10th. I mean, depending on how many decoys you have, we like to start off using like the lowest quality to the best quality. So um, with that being said, like for early season, so like let's say this opening day, Um, And a lot of people don't have this many decoys, so you just got to work with what you got. So I think us for you know we like to use silhouettes in the early season. A, it's so much easier to pick up, so much faster to pick up. It's a lot hotter, so you don't want to be putzing around for three, four hours out in the field just to pick up decoys.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Where silhouettes, you can. I mean, you can have ten dozen silhouettes picked up in twenty-five minutes. So we like to use nothing but silhouettes um just because of the fact that like i said the birds are a little dumber they don't really catch when they fly over like that they don't really catch about how you know some of the decoys disappear um and for the most part early season birds don't really fly over too much they just see birds and they come dumping in um versus later season later season those birds those migrators they like to see big numbers i mean Not many people have 40, 50 dozen decoys. You know, most people have five, five dozen between five dozen and 10 dozen. So you go and put 10 dozen full bodies out. That's going to look the same exact thing as the last 10 spreads that they saw. You go and you put 50, 60 dozen decoys out and it's like, you have to make yourself a goose. You know, you have to think like a goose. Um, And the more scouting you do, the more the more flocks of geese you'll see in fields and how they sit and the difference of how they sit between early season and later season. Yeah. And so a lot of it is just experience.
0: Are are you guys, are you guys using a lot of motion for geese? Cause I know like ducks will respond pretty well to like mojos and things like that. Now geese, I, from my experience, geese hate mojos. Like, yeah, absolutely i just don't ever i've never had a goose come in when i've got a mojo i,
1: I don't know if it's the flapping flapping of the wings um there, it's got to be something because we've we do the same thing if you so much as hunt a hunt a field for geese or ducks or both and you've got spinners out there mojos that's great for ducks but right right away in the early morning um as the sun's coming up that's when those ducks are gonna be flying as soon as you start seeing geese shut those things off or just get them out of there all together. Um, yeah. A lot of times we'll just rip the wings off. We'll grab the ducks and we'll throw them, in, you know, throw them by our blinds um, okay. because there's something about mojos. Yeah. Honkers hate them. They hate them.
0: Yeah. I uh, I've gotten into a couple other types of decoys that look way more lifelike than just a spinning wing type of decoy. Um, mm-hmm. But the clone decoy, I don't know if you've seen those. It's like, oh, I'm not
1: sure.
0: you need to look up the clone decoy. So I bought I bought two of them for this these guys that used to let me hunt on their property out in Colorado. And they're the most lifelike decoys I've ever seen in my You're life. You're
1: talking about the ones that, are, that they flap?
0: They just straight up flap. And you've yep. you've got a remote, a Bluetooth remote that you can adjust the speed on. So you yep. can make them flap super fast or you can have them like gliding in as if they're landing. And they also make a thing called the persuader, which is a pivoting arm. And so it gives the decoy about a six foot range of motion side to side as it's flat. And so uh, we bought a couple of those and I'm telling you, like, it's about as real as it gets. The only thing that would make it more real is if it actually like dropped down and landed on the ground. Um, And so like we've used that, we've used flags, obviously you pull the flags once they get within range maybe hit them if they make a pass but other than that we don't use a whole lot of motion aside from just like wind motion for for geese when we hunt
1: yeah that's pretty much all we use um we have definitely looked into those flappers um we were just talking about that in our group chat last week um we're still kind of debating it the only thing is is we would hate to spend because we're not just going to get one or two you know we're going to look at getting like half a dozen and we would hate to spend that kind of money and then either a find out that we can do just as good without them or b to find out that we're actually doing worse with them um i have heard i've talked to a few people that have them and that's what they said they're like you know we use one or two we've noticed that they flare every i mean it's like Hmm. as soon as the motion's fine, but then once they get closer and closer and closer, all of a sudden it's like they don't they want nothing to do with that bird, yeah. So, um, he they think that it would be a major difference if you used more than just like one or two. Um, so well, it's and that's kind of the thing, the air I, think you can,
0: I think you can use like three or four of them and have a pretty good return on investment. Because yeah. if you were to set them up, basically you can hook it up to a car battery or a smaller battery. Um, but what we would do is we'd hide the battery underneath a shell. We just have like sleeper shells out there and we'd hide the batteries under a shell. And then you could just have the clone decoys set up right at the edge of where you're wanting them to land because they're only like two or three feet off the ground, but they produce Mm -hmm. enough movement that it looks like you're just getting a couple birds that are finishing up landing. And then we also have the flags right there in front of the hole so we can flag once they're far off right they see that from a long ways off and then they come in and all of a sudden all the flags are dead whether we have three or four of them the flags aren't moving anymore and so they're like oh okay there was a half a dozen birds or 10 birds and 60 percent of them landed and now there's only a few left dropping in and by that point typically they're close enough to where you can call the shot yeah
1: yeah we we flag a lot um i would say half the people in the group um have flags nice Norm- normally if you're not calling you're flagging um you're the flag guy but yeah that that is and i've noticed last year you know i bought a eight foot flag that was a freaking game changer dude i mean nice. that was we when you when you threw that thing like because i mean if you think about it these flags that everybody's got are what two feet off the ground you know, you're laying in your blind, you're flapping it two feet off the ground. It just looks like birds that have already landed. They're just flapping their wings, kind of stretching out. But then you get this eight foot pole and you get that thing real way up high. I mean, it was it was watching, you know, 50 birds see our spread and we're like, mm, no, nah, not really feeling it yeah. and just like veer away from us. And they're seeing all these flags. And as soon as I took that eight foot flag and I started doing that that landing sequence, as I'm dropping that eight foot flag down, I mean it was like a complete one eighty on every single bird in that flock. That's and awesome. before but fifteen seconds they're at your feet. So that's,
0: that's so cool.
1: We'll be getting more of those. <laughs> no kidding.
0: Yeah. And it's cool. It's cool to see the innovation on products when, when people come out with new stuff for waterfowl hunting. And it's awesome that like, as soon as a new product comes out, it's very useful, but mm-hmm. it seems like there's only, there's a short life expectancy on new products for like their usability or their functionality sure. out in the field, because all of a sudden the birds get used to it after four, sure. or five seasons. Now these birds have already seen it Yep, from a thousand different spreads And now they're like, all right, I'm not messing with that. And then as soon as a new thing comes out, like even adding length to the flag, that obviously works because everyone's used to seeing three and four foot flags. And now you're throwing one eight feet in the air and birds can see it.
1: Yep. Yeah, I like to, you know, if you can find a field. So we do like, I would say probably 98% field hunting. Uh, We like hunting water. But nine times, out of the, uh, nine times out of ten, if you're hunting the water, you're probably hunting their roost. And yeah. we hate doing that. So we we like to hunt nothing but their feeds. And if you can find a big flooded spot in a field, I don't care what what kind of field it is. It could be any, anywhere between wheat and soybean and corns and, 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 you know, whatever. You find a flooded spot set up on that flooded spot. Yeah. I mean, put a couple of floaters out there, set up a bunch of uh, full bodies around, you know, on the outside of it. And then kind of make it look like they're coming up out of the water, up on Delanda to feed. And that is like one of our go-to things. And so if you set yourself right in the middle of the main feed, then, you know, where you, if you make it look like all these birds are coming up out of the water to go feed, and you put a, a ton of decoys, you know, off off into the field, and you set up your blinds right in those decoys, you're going to have them, literally right in your face. Yeah. They'll go they'll go to that water every time.
0: That's awesome. What a so I mean I know you hunt a little bit of everything. You're like me, it's not one specific, but your main passion is waterfowl hunting, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. If if you could hunt one type of waterfowl, like one specific species, what would that be? Because I know you've gotten a lot more into goose hunting recently i mean you guys goose hunt quite a bit but is that your mm-hmm. go to or is there a s- certain type of duck that you would
1: rather hunt um i have always there's there's a couple of things i've always wanted to do a swan hunt always um and then as well as a crane hunt so we don't have a cra- season on cranes here in wisconsin and it sucks because yeah. they're everywhere but then you like you look at the dakotas and they have like we think we have a lot, you know. I mean they they times our numbers by probably a thousand. Yeah. Um so I would love to just because I have to listen to those things all morning every morning out in the field. I would love to get on a good banger crane hunt, you know. Okay, let me let me
0: rephrase my question. I think I've got a better way to phrase this. Okay. Say your bag limit was 10 birds okay. of any species. I'm talking yep. like turkey, Uh, waterfowl um, migratory, like doves, pigeons, things like that. If you had a 10 bird bag limit, what would the breakdown of that be in your
1: ideal world? Honestly, honkers, man. Straight Canada geese. Like all 10?
0: All 10. I'm saying you can like mix in, like you could shoot one turkey, eight
1: honkers, and... I love I love so much hunting. So much hunting. Okay. But honker hunting in a field is the majority of my heart. This is so crazy. This is not at
0: all what I was gonna expect from you. I was thinking oh, you'd yeah. be like, listen, I'd throw one swan, two sandhill cranes, a turkey, maybe a pintail or a canvas back, maybe a king eider maybe i don't know
1: maybe 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 if i can get in a good mix of uh either some some like pintails or some uh some widgeon maybe i might i You'd might give you up know. a goose spot for a pintail maybe, or a yeah, i could i could probably give it up a little yeah a couple of them but in all honesty i get asked this by so many people you know if you had a flock of if you had a flock of birds come in and one was a goose, you know. One was a pintail. One was a black duck. One was a harlequin, you know. And they started tossing all these crazy. Uh, a cinnamon teal. What would you shoot first? Cinnamon teal. Honker, man. Honker. <laughs> I'm sorry. Honker. I mean, like, I've never shot a cinnamon teal, so I would, I would absolutely love to have it on the wall. So, I mean, I guess in all reality, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd probably go for the cinnamon just to have it. Well, but once see, I see that's it, the thing, man. I just feel right like back that's not
0: hunters. that. I just feel like if I was hunting with you, I'd have to call BS on that because if we were sitting there and hunting together and all of a sudden we had 20 geese come in, right? 20 geese. And we had like a brant or a speck or a snow goose in the mix. And it was just like one by itself. I feel like you'd be calling like, shoot the snow, shoot the snow or, you know,
1: take, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we've had a couple of times where this last season, you know, where we either had a snow goose in the in the um, in the flock or actually we've seen a crazy amount of specs this last year, which we don't ever see here. And oh, yeah, well, absolutely, if that comes in, oh, that's the first time I'm screaming, shoot that spec, kill that spec. So that's what that I'm snow. saying.
0: Not like not like,
1: but I'm not going to. Because I know that eight other guys are about to go for that one bird, and I'm going to launch my three shells at three other birds. So it's just straight up numbers blocks, wise. I you know if that one's banded; it's mine.
0: So, so you're doing it numbers wise. You know that everyone else is going for that bird. Yeah. And now, if just a greater Canada drops, you know that's yeah. yours, and you're not having to yeah. draw a straw for it.
1: Right. Exactly. Okay.
0: I could. Yeah. I guess I could see that because, like, I, so I was you, gotta, you also got to
1: understand though you know, like the, the guys that I hunt with, like, yeah, they've gone on some trips down south. Um, they've done some like guided hunts and stuff, but I used to be a guide myself. So I traveled the country and I, I hunted for a living. And so I got to experience what it's like to be under, under multiple t- tornadoes, you know, what it's like to, to shoot 16 rounds into a tornado of snows and blues, um, to be set up with, um, you know, in a pip line and, and shoot, you know, a six man limit of specs. I've been I've been there and I was able to do that already. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong, I'll shoot anything that comes in. But honkers honkers are my favorite. It, I I can I can work them the way I want to. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not a professional by far. Not even yeah. close. Um, you know, I hear guys calling all the time and I'm like, gosh, I wish I could sound like that. But for the most part, I can read a goose well enough. To know what I need to do and when I need to do it, yeah. And depending on what their reaction is, I mean, if they still, you know, if they don't show any interest after I do one last thing, ah, okay, yep, they're just not happening. There's times where there's there's nothing you can do. They've already made up their mind. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, and then there's times where it's like, man, that one little. There's times little... where you
0: can't do anything to keep them from landing in your field
1: absolutely those are There's the so best many times where I don't those, even call.
0: those are the best but the least rewarding at the same yep. time like yep. we had we had one bird come in and we had dudes out of the blind like picking up birds right and this was like a once in a life probably not once in a lifetime i'm sure it'll happen to me again at some point but we were hunting this field in colorado and it was like in the middle of the city but it was ag land and so like a couple dudes that i knew um they leased the field out for hunting, but like we were the first stop for all of these geese when they got up off the golf course ponds, off the city ponds. Like we were the first crop field and we were hunting. And there's times where like, you're walking around out in the field. You even are picking up decoys with your trucks right there. And there's geese just cupped and like, no, this is my field. I want to come and land here. (laughs) And like, we would be fully limited out. And it's like, you could almost put a net, like a fishing net, on the end of a 10 foot pole and just be catching these geese out of the air. Yep. Yep. We, we had one time though, we're sitting in the blind. We had a couple guys out. They were picking up deco or they were picking up geese. We just had a volley took, took several birds out. And all of a sudden I called, I, I just yell out to everybody. I'm like, Hey, we got one at like 10 o'clock. It's coming towards us. It had just dropped over like this tiny little strip of trees and it was like 15 feet off the ground. It didn't Mm -hmm. flap from the time that I saw it to the time that it hit the ground. It never flapped a single time. It was just gliding in the whole way. And it gets about 70 yards out and never even puts down the landing gear, just hits the ground and tucks and rolls. And I'm like, what in the world? We saw this thing coming from like a quarter mile away. And we never, (laughs) we never called. We never like flagged. We never did anything. And it just sailed in. All right, guys, if you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called Anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before. And it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast. And so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through. And you can make money Without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It just hits the ground, tucks and rolls. We're waiting for it to like stand up and we're going to like just jump up and scare it off the ground and shoot. And it was fully dead. Like
1: completely dead. Like nobody shot it. Just came in. Nobody shot. Landed, it came and in, in and, died. and died.
0: Like it came in and like a foot above the ground, it looked like it died. Because like I said, it never even like backflapped. It just like sailed in and then tucked and rolled across. I almost the ground.
1: wonder, was there was there I, another group? Oh yeah, was-
0: yeah. I mean, it was definitely it had definitely been shot, but it had to have been over okay. a mile away that it had gotten shot, mm. or maybe it was a goose from the last volley of ours that Came back around and we Circle just back didn't around. realize it. Sure, but sure. Th- I mean, those are like the crazy stories that sure. you that. Oh yeah, we had
1: uh, when I was when I was younger. I was in high school. We we're hunting in a field, like few hundred yards away, just outside city limits. It's the closest we could get to city limits. And man, we were we were pounding the birds that morning. We had a big flock come in, um, and we ended up dumping a few of them out of there. And it was kind of the same thing where. It, it was hit, but it didn't act like it was hit. So it, it took off with the rest of the flock.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, one of the guys said something earlier that day. He's like, oh, yeah, I can shoot a, I I could shoot a bird at, like, 160 yards. And I'm like, no, you can't. I don't think you have any idea what you're talking about because it's – unless you're shooting, like, a two two three or something, yeah, like, you're not – are you slugging it? You know, like, what are you using? Because it's not going to happen. No. So one of the other guys was like, oh, man, let's see if you could shoot him. And so he shoots. Right. Dude, these things are like 200 plus yards away. Shoots. And of course, this bird no. just folds up. And oh, I'm gosh. like, everybody just started screaming, you know, as if he act like we knew he didn't actually shoot it. But my mouth was just like, what are the odds? what are the what are the odds of that you know and i'm like then we had to go and run and run out there and grab but yeah it was like you just flew off about 200 some yards away completely stopped flapping his wings and see i don't
0: i just don't get geese i don't think there's any scientific evidence that says a bird has to be like five yards versus 80 yards away because i have i literally shot a bird That was less than three feet off the barrel of my gun. I was hunting that same exact spot in Colorado and I had this goose. Well, there was about 40 geese that were coming in and I was on the very end lid of the pit. And so I, like they were in my face and everyone's like, Hey, let them pass, let them pass so that everybody, all eight guys in the pit could get a shot. And by the time they called the shot, I flip my lid and I look and there's a bird literally back flapping (laughs) in my face and I swing boom just I mean literally every BB in an area that big like the size of a baseball and I turn boom hit another bird swing for a third and the sun like it flew into the sun and I like squeezed off around probably shouldn't have definitely didn't hit anything on the last one anyways I turn back to pick up this bird that I'm expecting to be laying One foot away from me, and there's no bird there. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look up, and 300 yards away is this goose just coasting. And then all of a sudden, boom, it tumbles in the neighboring field. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'll send you the picture. (laughs) I will send you the picture of this. The plug was inside of this bird's chest.
1: No way. I'm
0: not joking when I say, literally, every single BB. I shot it at point blank range. I mean, three feet is as close to point blank as you're going to get. Yeah. And somehow it flew 300 (laughs) yards after that. And then you get these birds. Like you said, the, the farthest bird that I've ever hit was a snow goose this last year. And we had snows flying over. It was my first and only snow goose that I've ever taken. And we had these snow geese flying over all day long. And I'm like, They're too high, but I'm telling you guys, if they fly over that low again, I'm pulling up and I'm just shooting a 20 gauge. Like I'm not shooting a 12 gauge. I'm not shooting three and a half, like ultra, you know, it's just normal 20 gauge, probably using BB or maybe two shot. And, uh, we were doing like a combination duck and goose hunt. And all of a sudden I hear these snows coming and I'm like, those actually sound lower than any of them have at this point. And I look up and they're between 80 and hundred yards up in the air. And I'm like, I told you guys, I said, I hope you guys don't get upset. There's no other birds coming though. And I'm going to take a shot. And so the V is coming and imagine the V, if you're looking at the V, imagine like the bottom third of the V being filled in with birds. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's not just two lines. It's two lines yep. with a wad in the middle. Yep. And so I just pull up and I aim at the front goose of the V. Boom. And about three seconds later, four rows back on the V, one bird (laughs) just like starts tumbling all the way down. And I'm like, no way. Like my first (laughs) snow goose ever. Right. Yeah. And I'm like high five and like (laughs) fist pounding. And I'm not a sky blaster at all, but this was like, this might be my only chance at a snow goose. And I've been hunting for a lot of a long time and I've never Mm -hmm. shot a snow goose. I, we've never really specifically gone for them. But anyways, I, uh, I'm i like fist bumping, high-fiving. And like I high-five everybody in the group. Oh, yeah. And I turn and this bird is still falling and it hits the water. That is can be like 100% dead. Not flopping. Don't have to wring its neck. Nothing. It's done. And <laughs> I just that's what I don't. Get. There's that no rhyme or reason. TV. Yeah, there's no rhyme <laughs> or reason to these birds like their yeah. survivability the same, I mean, you've had that happen when a goose comes in or a group of geese comes in and the same bird loses like half its feathers mm-hmm. because of people shooting. Oh, yeah. You, you and
1: really then it, it never even cloud of feathers. It's a cloud of
0: feathers, yeah, cloud of feathers yeah. like 12 shots in a row, like everyone's aiming at the same bird and then it just keeps flying. So all you see is a trail of feathers through the sky. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, you, we could we can't blood trail the goose. We can feather trail it and see where it ended <laughs> yeah. up roosting for the night. Yeah.
1: We uh I have I have permission for a golf course here. Um it's actually a a national golf course and there's tons and tons of geese on it. Um and so they just they just want them off of there. They don't care how you do it, you know. I mean I'm like, Yeah, man, I've got so so many guys with me, you know, let me grab two of your golf carts, we'll run out there and we'll shoot them and we'll get them out here and they're like sweet sounds great take three cards if you need to you know and i was like all right awesome so we've got you know it's it's nice um just due to the fact that it's like if you can't if you can't have a day to go out and actually set up it's nice just to be able to go out there and get if that little bit a, of fix
0: if you've got time to play around a nine you've got time mm-hmm. to go and hammer a couple yeah games. yeah
1: i go hit a whole one real quick um So, yeah. But then, you know, when it comes down to like later season, that's, that's literally one of my favorite spots because they do it so dirty. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can set up the thing, there's numerous ponds. So it's like, we'll go and we'll set up our decoys. And I see, I see these birds on these ponds all the time. I know exactly how, what spots they like to sit on what, you know, on the side, which side of the pond I'll do, I'll put my decoys that same exact way. And, uh, yeah when they when they come in it is like they don't think twice this is just out city limits it's on a freaking golf course oh yeah you know so, so it's like oh yeah the they're yeah there's yeah exactly and when i first started doing this you know i was like oh we would wear camel, and we realized that when we would wear camel and be riding around the golf cart it would spook them yeah we couldn't get anywhere near
0: i it. was gonna say you got to dress in like polo
1: and khakis yeah Yeah. We couldn't get anywhere near them. So that's exactly what we did. We're like, well, dude, let's dress up as golfers. So we did. We dressed up as golfers. You know, we looked absolutely ridiculous and I don't golf whatsoever. So uh, we get bags, you know, like clubs, club bags, and we stick our guns in them. I mean, I have no idea why we went to the extreme, but we were just thinking of everything in our power yeah. to make it work. Trying to make yourself so we look like,
0: like a golfer as much as possible.
1: Yeah. So we get out, you know, and we're like walking to the back of the golf cart. And instead of whipping out a club, we whip out a shotgun. They still don't think a single thing about it. And so we did that a couple of times. And finally, I'm like, you know, I'm just curious, like if it would work. And I started wearing my, my pheasant hunting vest that's blaze orange yeah and i was like it's a bright color i know they're gonna see it you know i'm not i'm not trying to blend in with anything like i'm trying to stick out yeah and it's almost like the more you stick out the safer they feel yeah i mean i have i have gotten i i don't want it to be too easy you know i mean i'm not trying to have make it a slaughter fest i'd like to have fun with it challenge myself so, but I've I've gone out there and, and I've just showed people like, hey, look, when you wear this bright vest, this is how close you can get to them. And I've quite literally walked within about five feet.
0: Dude, you and need so- to you need to put this to the test, right? Every golf course in the country has had geese on it. They just mm-hmm. love golf courses. Yep. And they know city to city what a golf course looks like from the air. Oh, it absolutely. obviously looks different from a field. Yep. I think that we need to try this and then patent it. You get a giant orange carpet roll or tarp, or not orange, sorry, green, like grass color green, and you roll it out in the middle of a field, right? Then you get a golf cart, and you put it out in that field also. Then you and all your buddies stand there with bright colors on <laughs> in a field where there's never been a golf course and just make it look like a golf course. And see Are you, if you talking about loading an 80-acre field up with green tarps? I'm talking about just (laughs) doing a test of one, like one putting green and just see, see if geese would land on it just for a day. You know what I mean? You put it in a high traffic area. I don't know if it's so
1: much, I don't know if it's so much the green it's, it's the fact No, but I'm
0: saying. It's like, it's the only green thing around at that point in the year. You know what I mean? And so their eye might just be drawn to it and they might think like, oh, hey, another safe haven golf. I think
1: I think a huge part of it because like, okay, look at any city pond, you know, or, or like a river or something, something that they can roost on and they know they're safe. Yeah. Every year loaded. Yep. Absolutely loaded. And so I don't think it's so much that it's a golf course that they're like, oh, man, this is a golf course. You know, it's only for golfers and we're going to land there. We'll be safe. It's, it's more the fact that it's right either in city limits or right outside of city limits. Yeah. that they're like, yeah, it's way too close to all these buildings, all this traffic that I think they're starting to get that idea.
0: That human presence isn't a bad thing unless the humans are being
1: sneaky. Exactly no that's exactly yeah. it because they have like on the well, beach here i've thought it's the, the same, same thing,
0: thing because we'll we'll be hunting a public land spot here and if there's a neighborhood right there and houses like the geese are in the backyards right yep. but if a goose sees you moving in camo yeah out like in the middle of nowhere gone. where it would be much better for feeding yeah and yep. so in my mind i'm like okay is it is it just the human presence? They associate human presence now with like no danger as yep. long as it's obvious human presence. Cause I mm-hmm. thought about, I thought about almost doing like fake buildings out by the pond before, like you just put a couple sheds or like big chunks of metal to make it mm-hmm. look like a shed or a roof or something. And I wonder sure. how many more birds would land on it because our, the I've... cattle pond where we're at, it's perfect for ducks and geese. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It's got a shallow end, it's got a deep end, it's got tons of vegetation. We've got crop fields right around it. But you go to some dude dude's house where his barn is right next to the pond and it's loaded with birds. Ours doesn't have any buildings next to it and right. the birds just don't seem to want to land there.
1: Yep. Yeah, so, they they I think there's definitely something to do with with Um, you know, especially when there's bodies of water next to any type of building or multiple buildings that they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to be safe here. Yeah. See, that's the part that sucks
0: um, though, because you're, I think you're like me in the sense that you'd rather be out away from everybody. Oh, absolutely. You know, like when I go out hunting somewhere, even, even if I'm in the middle of nowhere, like out in the mountains, right. And we're hiking up this mountain, looking for elk or looking for mountain goat or moose or whatever it is we're hunting. And I look up and I can see the light on top of the ridgeline from like a telephone tower or a a radio tower or something like that. I'm like, man, I just wish I didn't have any human, didn't see any sign of human life. And so it's like, I wouldn't want to hunt maybe once or twice, but I wouldn't want to hunt right next to a bunch of buildings. Right you know i'd rather be in a field where i I don't see vehicles i don't there's more work
1: it's more it's way more rewarding it it wasn't it wasn't the fact that oh, you just woke up one morning and looked out your back window at the local neighbor pond and you know saw these birds sitting on it and then you just went over and shot them you put the work and the time and the effort into going out and finding all these birds um you know and a lot of the times these guide services, they put a ton of work. I mean, they're making their own landscape. They're making their own crops. Um, They are building their own um, vegetation and everything to keep those ducks around. Um, So, yeah, I mean, when you put that amount of work into it, you know, I look at people like uh, Tony Vandemore, um, you know, with Habitat Flats and. Oh, can you see me? okay um you know i look at tony vandemore with habitat flats and it's like everybody i know a lot of people that are like yeah man that guy's just he's just one of those rich punks blah 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 and i'm like are you kidding me you don't know who that guy is then no that dude knows his stuff yeah because a that guy came from like practically nothing he he did all the majority of this on his own you know like everything that he builds he 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 works all year, every single year. He works all year long to build up for a few months worth of hunting. Yep. Um, and so same thing with like, uh, what was that? Uh, what's his first? Colton? Colton Kerr? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with him. He puts the work in, you know, and it, it, frustra- it frustrates me with these, younger, with these younger generations. They think that they can just go and jump in a spot and, and limit out every time. Yeah, it's not going to work like that. You got to put the blood, sweat and tears into it. Make it well, make them. I hate, them want I hate to the there. division,
0: too, in the hunting culture mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like, oh, this guy has it different than I do. It's easier yeah. for him. Oh, he doesn't yeah. have to work as hard or like, yeah. oh, I could kill that size deer every year or this many birds every year if I had what he has. Yeah. And it's like big bucks don't he come could. easy to anybody unless you're yeah. running a deer farm like yeah. they don't come easy to anybody waterfowl nobody just goes out and it's like oh man i didn't have to do anything i just walk out my back door and shoot my limit like right you just might not see the work that they've been doing all year long and so you think like oh they just drop in yeah and that's the thing it's like you're either going to work all year long to make it a great hunt and then it might be easy the day of or you're going to take it easy all year long and then it's going to be really hard the day of right and yep. people just seem to assume that other people have it easier because it's different and it's just mm-hmm. not. It's it's challenging and, but, in its own I mean, way for everybody.
1: To a point, like there are a lot of people that do have it a lot easier. Um, you know. If you're in the flyway, you're going to have it way easier killing birds, you know, right in the middle of the flyway than if you live two states away from the flyway. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's why there—that's why you have guided hunts because people either A, they don't know what they're doing at all and they just want the experience. B, you don't have the equipment or C, you don't have the birds. So that's, you know, that's where like the whole guided hunts and stuff come from. Um, that, you know, be able to shoot species that you don't normally get in your area. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there are times where, yeah, I mean, people, some people do have it easier, easier than others, but that doesn't mean that they're not putting the work in yeah. just because you're in the flyway doesn't mean you don't have to put any work in, you know, it still costs tons and tons of money to be able to have the equipment that you have, um, to be able to scout and find the birds, you know, um, and plus too, like. These younger generations what what I think the biggest thing that's bothering me right now is the lack of respect that they have for these landowners. You know, these landowners they don't have to give you permission. I for everybody that's listening, if if a landowner if you go and knock on a farmer's door, it doesn't even have to be a farmer, any type of landowner and 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 ask them for permission whether it's to hunt ducks or deer or turkeys or whatever to hunt, to be able to access and step foot onto their property, leave that property better than what it looked like when you first went there. If you see so much as a sandwich bag, just grab it and stick it in your pocket. It's so easy. You know, if if you go out into a field and you see that somebody else was out there before you hunting it and that they left a bunch of trash, just pick it up. I know it's not yours, but just pick it up because what you can do then, what you can do then is you can turn around and go right back to the farm and be like, Hey, I don't know who left this, but just, I just want to show you, this is what somebody left. We made sure we picked it up. You know, it is going to, I guarantee you if anything goes down and that farmer is like, that farmer is like, no, we're not, we're not letting hunters on our property anymore. We're, you know, we've had enough. We had, we had, we had, Guys that left trash in our fields, that rutted our fields up. They drove into our planted field. The lack of respect is insane nowadays. Yeah, I had a, I had a farmer meet me out on his on his uh, front porch with a shotgun one year because I had a camouflage shirt on and he knew what I was there for. Yeah, and I ended up going back there. I think it was a couple of years later. And I knocked on his door and I made sure, made sure I didn't wear any camel this time, but I just knocked on his door and I asked him, I said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me a few years back, you know, I asked for permission and I was just, you met me at the door with a shotgun. And, and I mean, today, now, today's world it you can't trust anybody. So I, I kind of understood, but I, was, I just wanted to know what has somebody put him through to make him feel the need to do that. Yeah. And, um, and the first thing that he said was, "I'm sick of you hunters." and he wouldn't say anything more than that, and so he polite pretty politely asked me to leave his property and it's like yeah sucks, what did man? how did what did they do that they you know it was that bad. How can you disrespect somebody in their property? I mean that'd be like somebody coming to your front yard, your house. Oh yeah. Backing your truck up in your front yard and just ripping it up. So if somebody, if a landowner gives you permission, just be Take respectful. Treat it better. Take care of it. it, yeah. care it, of is it. Yours. Exactly. That's right.
0: Treat it, treat it like your opportunity to come hunt it. Even one more day rides on it every time, which yep. it probably And does. be grateful.
1: If you, yep. if you harvest anything on their property, be grateful. Um, maybe they don't eat meat. Maybe. Okay um if they do just try to share some of your meat um we're in wisconsin so it's not very often you don't find a farmer that doesn't drink beer so i mean and to, to go out and buy a case of beer whoop do you do what it cost you 20 bucks 30 bucks you know um a gift card just show some type of appreciation go go help them on the farm for a weekend yep. you know um there's multiple things that you can do but we're we're losing that generation fast
0: yeah yeah, it's it's a show up, do what you want, leave.
1: Yeah. It's, all. Nah, it's they a, won't know who did it. It's
0: all about consumption, like what what do I get out of this instead of what can I return? And it's not everybody by any means, but there's there's a lot of yeah. people who who play that way and I've hunted on people's properties where I go out there and there's just shocking shells everywhere and there's cigarette butts or trash and uh yeah. one of the most hurtful things that I've heard from and it was a friend of mine who let me hunt on his property. He was like, Hey man, have you been leaving your shotgun shells out there? And I'm like, dude, absolutely not. And he's like, Oh, well, some of the guys that work on the property have said, you know, there's a ton of shotgun shells. I know that you're out there all the time. And I was like, I bet you, if you ask them, they're 12 gauge and I shoot a 20 gauge. Mm-hmm. And I said, I pick up more shotgun shells than I shoot on a consistent basis. I might pick up a dozen out there even if I don't pull the trigger a single time and I'm like I try to clean up your property because I know it yeah I think my kids are knocking on the window um I uh but yeah I'm like man I try to pick it up and I'm not perfect you know like in the heat of the moment I might be like doing a uh dove hunt where I'm walking a tree line and I pull the trigger three times and only find two of my shells but I do my very best to pick up but you and
1: look for that show
0: oh one hundred percent you know there's yep. like those random times where I just it's like it vanished you know what I mean yep. but I guarantee yep. oh, if absolutely. it was exposed somewhere in the open like I would have found it and picked it up and so I'm not perfect, but I do yep. my very best to leave a property absolutely. way better and i've seen I've seen grain bags out there you know that maybe blew across a, for a quarter mile from somebody else's field or like, yep, I've seen, I've found every, anything and everything. I've seen cattle, uh, like calf houses, you know, mm-hmm. they look like a giant dog house, basically. I've seen those yep. out in the field. Oh, like, sure. And the dude yeah, doesn't even out have, he doesn't even have calves on it. And so it's like, <laughs> sometimes I can't pick it up, but I make sure to let him know. Like, Hey sure. man, this happened or, well, I, and I mean, the farmer's cameras... not
1: going to sit here and be like, well, you're hunting the land. Why is there a calf hutch up here? <laughs> oh you yeah. Know? No. <laughs> no,
0: but it's still like, I'll do whatever I can to make sure that they feel like I'm respecting their property and I'm respecting them. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: um, And I'll I can do... tell you that uh, as a landowner too, if you can, you know, don't, don't bug them all the time. But if you, if you're in the, in somebody's area, like I've got a, uh, he's a doctor and he won't even let me on his property, you know, He's like, ah, yeah, you know, I think I kind of just want that to myself. I'm like, okay, dude, because I'd be the same way, you know, uh, me and my family. That, that's what my land would be. Um, yeah. And so, but like, I'm in the area a lot. And at, at one time I saw a vehicle, it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was leaving. I was bull hunting, coming down on the road and I saw headlights in his, in his field. So I got a hold of him and I was like, Hey man, are you, or it was the next day. I was like, Hey, did you shoot a deer last night? He's like, no. And I'm like, Oh, was like, were you out there? He's like, no, why? And I was like, Oh dude, like there was headlights out there. Like somebody was out on your property then. And come to find out that it ended up being his son that ran out there to grab a few chairs out of their deer blind, okay. but he was so appreciative of, that I was kind of like watching over the property I just happened to see it, but you know, he's like, Hey, I appreciate it. He's like, I'll tell you what, next time I see you, I'll buy you, you know, buy you a beer, grab some dinner with you. I'm like, sweet. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I try to, I try to stay in communication with landowners, anybody else who uses the land. Like I've got property that I hunt that other people have access to. I've -hmm. got property that I hunt that um, there's a guy who (laughs) runs cattle on it and leases it for crops every year. And so I just try to communicate with everybody equally and, and let them know if there's ever an issue, if there's something that needs to be taken care of, offer any help. Like yep. uh, there's currently a spot in the fence where a, a tree blew over in the wind and took out a chunk of of the barbed wire fence, and it landed in the bean field. Well, I know that they're going to be harvesting beans in not that long, and so I sure. contacted the guy who runs who runs um, cattle and leases it for crops, and I was like, hey man, I just want to let you know. 50 yards up from this four corner crossing of the fence, a tree blew over and took out a chunk of fence. I don't want you out there with your machinery and all of a sudden you bust up your $70,000 piece of equipment because you didn't realize there's a whole tree trunk in your field. Yeah. And so it's like not only that, but then offer like, hey, whenever you head out there, let me know and I'll try to help you out. But I know we're coming up on an hour, man. I want to respect your time and we could continue to talk like we do. I mean, we talk like 10 hours a week about hunting. So, um, Oh yeah, easy. I'm going to give you uh, a couple things real quick. One, where can people find you if they want to, uh, look you up and look up what you're into now?
1: Um, you can either check me out on Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat, um, first name is Sam, S-A-M. Last name is Medkey M-A-E-D as in dog, K-E. Um, my phone number is 920-645-3115. Um, feel free to get a hold of me if you guys want to book any hunts. Um, check us out at New Outdoors as well. Uh, that would be the guide service that um, I'm currently with and just a lot of a, a big group of just awesome guys honestly they're young they're full of energy um, very respectful and we put numbers up I mean we we show proof for our stuff so yeah check us out at new outdoors on Instagram Facebook um do you guys want to book a hunt we charge a hundred dollars a gun per day dirt cheap Jeez, um, man. I would yeah super cheap and we're not in it for the thing is we're not in it for the money um we'd like to just kind of get our name out there a little bit more. We partnered up with a few few companies this year, uh Gear, Onex, uh the Finisher. Um currently working on working with dive bomb industries right now. Um, and I might be might be missing a couple. I think GHG as well. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're starting to get there. Um, like I said, we're not trying to make a killing off of this. Um, and then if we don't have the birds, if you book a hunt we don't have the birds here we'll keep in touch with you we'll let you know like if it's not if we don't think it's worth hunting we'll let you know i mean it's up to you if you still want to come but we're not here to rob you from your money so yeah yeah i mean i'm my, right now i think uh my my next goal is to be like a joe heinz on snapchat so yeah we'll see how that goes we were just talking to nick jay the other day so sounds like he wants to come out and hunt with us for a little bit
0: nice man Well, that's awesome, dude. Good luck on your upcoming season. Obviously, we'll keep in touch, but we'll have to do another episode because I was hoping to hear a little bit about your turkey hunts this year because you had a stellar year, but uh,
1: we'll have to book that for another time. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully, we can uh, get our schedules to cross paths again.
0: Dude, I know, man. It's crazy. This fall (laughs) is going to be nuts, and I know it's going to be that way for you also. Mm -hmm. We'll try to get something booked and I just told the guys the other day, they're like, Hey man, we got to plan our annual like camping trip. Cause we always camp the night before and hunt the next day. And I'm like, yep, "How I about we don't mess with that. And we can just go up to Wisconsin for like a three day weekend. Like I've and been I'm trying to get you. you guys to do for a dozen years. Boy, I'm
1: telling you. And they're and just you know, like Wisconsin non, non-resident license is so cheap.
0: I know, well, I, I looked at it and I go guys, food, travel, housing, and hunting all in, we could all go up there for three days and spend less than 160 bucks for three days. And I'm like, you are guaranteed to shoot more birds than we do here. And we will probably shoot more birds. I mean, I'm telling you, you guys are shooting close to a thousand birds a year. I've got friends who over the, like my entire friend group in Missouri, we haven't shot that many in the last 10 years. Like you Mm -hmm. can add all of us up, like my core hunting buddies, we haven't shot that many birds combined in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we could go and have a killer weekend that we'll talk about forever. And instead of like booking a hunt here and, you know, maybe the bird numbers aren't there or just traveling somewhere, although it's still fun. I'm like, wouldn't it be more fun if we went and actually had success somewhere?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I would say I always tell people, you know, don't don't just book one day because it, it, we we're, we're guides, not gods. You know, we can't we can't force the birds and they can a lot of the times they switch up whenever they want. Um yeah. so a lot of, if we can't get you on birds one day, more than likely we're going to be able to get you on birds the next day, you know. Um so I always say, you know, at least just book two days at least um you know, it would make, and who knows? I mean, worst comes to happen is you end up having two banger hunts both days. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we uh, we're looking forward to a lot of big things, a lot of big changes this year. Um, and you know, we're we're trying to make a name for ourselves in this hunting industry, and it's surprisingly skyrocketing. I mean, it's shooting that's fast. Awesome, when man. you've got the owner of Molt Gear that's sitting there telling you, "Oh yeah, we've been following you guys for the last year." You know, it's like. That's awesome. That's great news because uh, we're doing we're doing a good job. Then you know, yeah, that's super um, cool. So, yeah, we'll have to get you guys up here. and we'll We got to talk your buddies into. I know. I man. mean, they gotta they gotta take a leap of faith into me here pretty soon. Oh, it
0: drives me crazy, dude. I'm me like, take guys, curse if you want kill or hunt, you keep wasting your time <laughs> going to these other places. I yep. know where we can go and get on birds, and it's not that far. Yeah,
1: and the best part about day. it is it's not it's not something that everybody does. You know, most people go down to Arkansas or Missouri or Kansas or, you know, the Mississippi river or the Dakotas, you know, they go to somewhere where they know there's a huge population of birds. We don't, we don't touch anywhere near that, but we also, we show our proof of birds, you know? So. Well, that's
0: awesome, man. I appreciate you hopping on. I'm going to hop off here and spend some time with family. Uh, I've got another recording here tonight, but. Thanks again, dude, and uh,
1: absolutely we'll do it thanks again. for having me. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk again. And we can uh, touch up on some turkey hunting as well.
0: Sounds good, man. We'll see you. All right, buddy. Yep, have a good one. You too. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed that. I definitely had a good time sitting down and talking with my cousin Sam. We've we've got so many stories together. We could have chatted for another two hours probably, but time didn't allow. He is about to kick off his waterfowl season up there, though, and I can't wait. He has joined a new group. It's actually called New Outdoors N E W. So go and look them up and follow along with their hunts, or if you want to book a hunt with them, I'm telling you, this guy knows where the birds are. He is on them, and he puts in the homework so that he can help you guys be successful while waterfowl hunting. I do want to make you aware of another thing real quick. We do have stickers for sale, and so go hop on. Buy one, buy 10, who knows, we might just throw a love note in there with an extra sticker. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying those, putting them on your bow cases, gun cases, mugs, computers, wherever it is that you're having, having space for a new sticker. But go leave a review and a rating. That greatly helps us out. It helps push the podcast out to more people. And hopefully we can take over that number one spot from... Steve Rinella himself. We were so close the other day. We were up to number three in the Apple podcast chart. So leaving a review and a rating, subscribing to the show, all of that helps. Until next time, though, always choose adventure and God bless.